Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. If you have a Bible, open up to Philippians chapter 2 this morning. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll, we'll get you one. We want you to be with us this morning. Uh, raise your hand if you need a Bible. Philippians chapter 2. And uh, we're continuing our study through the book of Philippians, verse by verse, line upon line, precept upon precept. And there's no better way to study the Bible. It makes you go over even the hard stuff. So uh, Philippians chapter 2, once you're there, stand with me. We are going to read our text this morning. And uh, just when I think like we hit the highlight of Philippians chapter, you know, Philippians in the book of Philippians, then comes the next verses. And it's like, dang, these are awesome. Like every single word that is pinned in, in these verses is so incredible. It's, it's in the Bible really, but it, it's really a matter of the heart too. Actually, when you come and you read the scriptures, if your heart is prepared, God is going to just com- incredibly speak to you. So I hope your heart is ready. We are Philippians chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 12 this morning, and uh, we're just going to go through a few verses this morning because there's so much there. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do and to work for his good pleasure. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for these verses that help us understand our responsibility and your responsibility as it relates to this life, to those who have come to Christ. Will you make sense of it for us, God? Will you help us to understand what it is that you inspired the Apostle Paul to write here this morning? God, we want to know what you think. We want to know what you say it says. And so we ask you to come and speak into our lives this morning. Help us to understand this truth, Lord, not in a theological way only, but also in a very practical way that we can apply this truth to our lives. We surrender ourselves to you, Lord. We want to receive the seed of your word this morning. We want it to bear fruit in our lives. And so we give ourselves over to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You could be seated. If you've been with us, you know that Paul is in the middle of talking to this church in Philippi about unity. He's been telling them, hey, don't be divided. You guys are divided, you know, and it's not like this church is a train wreck in division, by the way. It's not like the, the wheels are falling off the bus or anything. They're, they're a strong church. They're a good church, but there are some schisms in the church. Even really, really good churches can have divisions in the body. You know why? Because people aren't perfect. That's why. And so that, that's going to happen. However, when it does happen, what ought to be our response? We have to be careful that when divisions happen, that we as the body, if we're receiving some information from somebody about something, and they're tr- you can see that it's trying to create a division, your responsibility in that situation is to say, hold on a second. Let's not create division. Let's bring unity in this situation. That's your responsibility as a Christian. And so, you know, God does, you don't just, oh, I got to go tell the pastor what's happening. No, you, you, you actually, guess what? You could deal with that. God's given you the, uh, the, uh, the ability, the capability, the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit I have, that you can deal with those things because you're a minister of the gospel as well. 
And so Paul is telling this church, hey, you guys got some issues going on. Apparently they weren't dealing with it. So he, he drops some serious truth on them. He said, I think you guys need to understand the principle behind unity. And so he tells them in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, and if you're in home groups, you guys know that we've been going over this and over this, but it's important. It's absolutely vital to us to understand. Philippians chapter 2, the, the, the whole premise of what he's saying is found in, in a nutshell in verses 3 through 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul's exhorting these believers to find unity through humility. To find unity through humility. And he, he's commanding them that they would walk in humility because he understands that that will produce unity. That mandate has not changed, folks. That is the same mandate as it was then. It is today. God requires his body to be humble and obedient to his word. We're called to walk in modesty, in meekness, in respect and resignation. It's a command. And we know that if God has commanded us, he has also enabled us to do it. There are no excuses. Oh, but we're just human. No, if God commands it, he gives us the capability to do it. The reason we don't do it is because we're not walking in humility. So it all boils down to pride, right? Every sin will, will, will find its root in pride. It, pride is the problem. It was pride that caused Satan to fall, right? It was pride that caused Eve to eat of the apple. It was pride that caused every single sin that's ever existed or has been committed in this earth. It was pride is at the root. And so God says, listen, don't be proud. Be humble. That, again, that word, what does it mean? It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. And so we, we get this. We've been going over this, but, but it's important to understand as we move forward here. God is calling us to walk in simple obedience to these verses. Just be humble and be obedient to the word. That's the problem, though, isn't it? We don't like people telling us what to do. Don't tell me what to do. Who are you? What is that? It's pride. It's pride. But, but we don't like people telling us what to do. And so we want to do things on our own terms. Hashtag not a smart move. That never works out. In my life at least. Maybe you're better than I am. But in my life that never works out. It reminds me of a fellow named Jack. He was walking along a ravine one day. Really steep. You know, thousands of feet down. And he was like, oh, this is so cool. Probably trying to take a selfie, right? He falls off. And on his way down, he grabs hold of a branch. He's dangling some thousand feet below him, sheer, you know, cliff directly above him. There's no way for him to get up. There's no way for him to get down. So he's stuck. He's hanging out, as it were. But, you know, what happened was, that, that, then he says, well, my only hope is to get the attention of somebody above that they may drop a, a, a line down to me, right? So he begins yelling, help, help, is anybody up there? Help. And he, he goes on and on and on for, for quite some time. And, and, it, and he's about ready to quit. And all of a sudden he hears a voice. He's, Jack, Jack, can you hear me? And he said, yeah, I, I can hear you. I'm down here. And he said, Jack, I know where you are. I can see you. And he said, oh, who are you? And he said, I'm the Lord. I want to help you. And so Jack is dangling there, and he says, 
okay, well, well, tell me what to do. And he says, Jack, it's very, very important that you listen to every word that I say and you do it exactly as I tell you to do it. Okay, and Jack's like, okay, I'll do whatever. He, he starts, to, starts to say, I promise I'll, as soon as you get me down, I'm going to serve you. And I'm, you, know, you know the thing you guys do when you're in trouble and you're like trying to get out of it. And you're like, Lord, I'll, I promise I'll give you my whole life. Here's my checkbook. No, I didn't mean that. But, um, you know, and, and, and what happens is Jack has started to make all these promises. And the Lord says, oh, 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 hold on, Jack. Just let's get you down off there. Then we'll see how you feel about all this, okay? So here's what I want you to do. You ready? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. Let go. What? Let go. There was, a, there was an eerie silence for quite some time. And then Jack said, help, help, is there anybody else up there? Isn't that us in obedience with the Lord? I mean, we want God to help us. We want him to, like, engage us. And so we just say, Lord, will you just tell me what to do? Because we want to have a plan. And if we just have a plan, then we can follow it. And so God writes you 66 love letters. And he writes you a plan. And he says, here it is. Now, now just do this. Oh, I didn't mean that. I mean, I, I, thought, you were, I thought it was going to be something different. No, it's not. Listen, obedience is never easy. But it's always necessary if you want God's best in your life. If you want God's best in your life, you have to be obedient to, listen, his word and the spirit of God. And what I will tell you is they will coincide together. The spirit will lead you into what? All truth. What is the Bible? All truth. They will never contradict themselves. If you find a contradiction in something the spirit of God is telling you versus what the word of God is telling you, the contradiction is within your own mind. It is not within the word. God will not contradict himself. The Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. He will, he will, he will lead us back to the scriptures. God wants us to understand the importance of being obedient. Contrary to popular belief, he's not trying to ruin your life. He's not trying to take the fun out of your life. Isn't that what you think? Before I became a Christian, I was like, oh, man, I'll become a Christian one day, you know, when, when, I, when, when all my fun is over, then I'll become a Christian, right? And I didn't even know what that meant, by the way, but, but that's what I was thinking. Why? Because I thought that God was trying to take something from me. Isn't that the same deception that Eve received from the serpent in the garden? God's trying to hide something from you. Listen, if, you're, if you are a rece- you've received that in your life, it's a lie from the pit of hell and you need to cast it away. That is not the Lord. He's not trying to keep you from something. He's trying to get you in a position so that he can bless you, so that your life can be usable by him. And so he's going to orchestrate some things, but you have to be willing to obey him. He has a plan, and it's real simple. All we have to do is walk it out. That's it. That's what he requires of us. The title of my message this morning is Obedience Works. Obedience Works. Why that title? Well, when God gives us a word to obey, it will naturally produce a work. When, when God gives us, you know, a scripture like Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, where he tells us to be humble because it creates unity, that's, that's the principle. Now he's given us the, 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 the mandate, the command. All we have to do then is obey it. All we have to do is be obedient to it. And when we do that, what will happen is, a good work will appear. There'll be some sort of work that happens after. See, the problem, though, is most of us 
don't understand that's the way it works. And so we're working for obedience rather than working as a result of obedience. You see, working for obedience is called legalism. That's me trying to reach my way up to God. I can do, I can do this, Lord. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do all these things. That's working for obedience. I'm, I'm, I'm going, you, you can't do that. You, you, it, it's legalism, and God doesn't receive it. The reality is if you want obedient, work, good works are a result of being obedient to his word. You understand? It's a result of we aren't working for it. We're, we're, the good works come as a result of being obedient to the Lord. So as we see in our scripture today, the, the apostle Paul has a call for obedience. And then there's a command that requires obedience. That's the way I've uh, broken down these two verses this morning. So first we're going to look at the call to obedience. Look at verse 12 again with me. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. The text begins with a therefore, and we have to ask ourselves what it's therefore. You guys are good Bible students. So what is it therefore? Again, Paul is referring back to what he just got done saying in verses 1 through 11. And again, we're not going to go over all of that, but if you've missed the last two weeks, you can pick it up and listen to it. He is referring back to, uh, you know, ultimately what, the, what that principle is in verses 3 through 4, and then also referring back to the example of what that principle looks like, and that is the life of Jesus. He is the perfect example. So verse 5, let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus also. And then Jesus, you know, he came, he humbled himself. God became a man to become a lamb, to become a worm. And so, you know, that is what he's talking about. He's saying Jesus Christ not only became humble, but then he became obedient. It was humility producing obedience. So if you want to understand how to do these things, the application of how to, um, you know, be obedient, it starts with humility. Paul is building a staircase. He's saying, okay, here's the principle. Now we're going to take that step. Now here's the next result of that. Humility produces unity, which produces obedience. And that's what he's trying to help these people understand. Pride will keep you from obeying, but humility will cause us to obey. Think about that for a moment. When the Lord calls you to obey, you have a choice. You can either reject the word, or you can, uh, which would be a, a, a result of pride, or you can accept it as a result of humility. And how many times have you had to swallow your pride in order to obey the word of God? Every time. Every time. We don't naturally come at this with humility. You know, and in fact, if you do think you are, that's pride telling you that you are. So the, humility is one of those slippery things. The, the minute you think you have it, you don't. And so the reality is that, um, that Paul is, he, we have a responsibility to, 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 to respond to the Lord. And we have to swallow our pride. I remember back early, early days of ministry when the Lord was, uh, you know, trying to teach me uh, obedience and so teaching me how to listen to his voice. And, and this was e external of the Bible. The principle was there in the Bible, but it wasn't like, you know, this is, the, this is exactly what it says, now go do it. It was the Lord speaking to my heart in a very simple way. And, and so I was driving down the road one day here in Spring Hill, and, and the Lord, Lord told me, hey, I passed like some trash on the side of the road. It, like somebody had, you know, was taken into the trash and it dumped out of their their truck or whatever, or maybe they purposely did it, I don't know. 
But, um, but here's what I know, that it was a sovereign moment. And as I was driving by, the Lord said, hey, I want you to go pick that up. I said, Lord, don't you have people for that? No, I didn't say that, but I was thinking that. But, you know, I was thinking, hmm, well, let me see. I didn't do it. Um, it's not my responsibility. That's not my job. You ever say that to God? Don't say that. So I said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. So I turned my car around, and it, listen, this was no small feat to get back to where I was. It cost me something. I was on my way to go do something. And the Lord said, I want you to go pick the trash up. Okay, I guess there's a lesson in this. So I turn around, I go pick up, pick up the trash. And, um, you know, and then I'm like, okay, cool, right on. Oh, I, I knew that I knew that I knew that it was the Lord. You know, and, and so time had gone on, and he would continually do that to me. Like, tell me to pick up the trash. Like, pick up the trash, pick up the trash, pick up the trash. There was, there's an incredible little, um, little thing that the Lord was doing in there. Number one, he was teaching me to hear his voice, but he was, also, he was also teaching me how to be a servant. Because if I'm not willing to do the least of these things, I don't deserve to stand in front of people. So he's saying, hey, Tim, I need to help you understand that this is all about humility. So I, I, for, for, you know, for in that particular moment, I obeyed the Lord, and that was as a result of humility. Let me give you a couple other accounts that are the exact opposite in my life. One time I was out somewhere in Sarasota, Florida, and I was waiting on the Lord, and, and just weird. I was just hanging out, and the Lord put it on my heart in that moment. I saw a guy in a wheelchair, and I thought, oh, man, you know, Lord, I know you could, you could heal that guy. And he goes, yeah, go over there and tell him. What? And immediately in my mind, I'm like, there's no way I'm doing that. You've got to go get somebody else, dude. I'm not doing that. No way I'm going to go tell that guy in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And I didn't do it. And do you know that even to this day, when I think about it, my heart sinks because he told me to do it. Does it matter what happens? What matters is that I obey. Another time I was in China for my job and God gave me an opportunity to um, get up in front of, you know, hundreds of people, and uh, it had nothing to do with why I was there. I wasn't a missionary or anything. I was, I was there for work, and I bought dietary supplements, and then I bought, you know, ingredients and stuff, and then we used to produce dietary supplements. But what happened was this lady was a diabetes educator, so she had these conferences going on. At the time, I happened to be there, and I was there to visit her, and she said, hey, would you get up? She knew that I was, uh, that I could play guitar and sing and stuff, and she goes, you know what? It'd be really cool. Would you sing a song? And I'm like, sure. You got a guitar? So they found a guitar. They brought it over to me. And I sang the song, you know, Hallelujah, Your Love is Amazing. And I sang that song. And, it, and in the chorus, it goes, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Your Love Makes Me Sing. You know, and it just goes on and on. And it keeps saying Hallelujah. Well, at the end of the song, all these Chinese people, which clearly don't speak English, are um, going, what does that mean? What is Hallelujah? They're singing Hallelujah. They have no idea what it means. And, I, and so she gave me an opportunity to share what, what I was singing and why I was singing it. Why does, why does his love make us sing? So I got an opportunity to share, right? Well, that was cool and all, but the lady said, hey, I have a huge conference next week, and I would love for you to do that again. I think that would be awesome. So I had an opportunity. To, there's, there'd be thousands of people here, right? And the Lord said, yeah, I want you to do it. But it would require me to, to change my flight because it was, was going to happen a couple days afterward. And um, so 
so I, I, I called the, the airline and I said, hey, um, I need to stay a few extra days. Uh, can, you, can you change my ticket and whatnot? And uh, they said, oh, yeah, we can, Mr. Romero. You know, we'll, we'll get you. We can, we can change it or whatever. I had a business class ticket because back then I could, I could do that. But, um, but, but what happened was then they said, oh, but you know what? We can't get you in business class. We're going to have to get you in coach. And I said, hmm, I guess God's going to have to find somebody else, you know. So, I, I, honestly, it's straight up. And it's not funny. It, it hurt my heart because what happened was uh, after that, I said, no, I, I'm going to keep my ticket. Pride. I deserve that. It's about my comfort. So I said, no, I'm going to go home. I can't, I can't change my fly, and I'm going to go home. And, and so I got on the plane, and the boarding door closed. And immediately when it closed, I just started to weep. Because God said, you were supposed to do that. And he spoke to me like a couple days before that. And he said, I'm going to do something supernatural at this situation. I'm going to do something amazing. I'm going to blow your mind. And I'm going to minister to people. And you know what? I, I chose my comfort. And I allowed pride to sweep me away from the will of God in that moment. And, and it's something that I'll never forget. Who knows what God would have done. But what I do know is that he's faithful and that he did it, whatever he wanted to do there anyway, without me, because he doesn't need me. But it, it, it's one of those things that, you know, we have a response to, to his command. We have the ability to either do it or not do it. We can humbly obey him and, and trust that he knows what's best, or we can, we can be proud and we can reject his word in our lives. Here's what I'll tell you. If you choose humility, if you choose to follow that path, there'll be some sort of suffering in, in the midst of it. Because in obedience, there, there, is a, uh, there is a cost to it. There's a cost to it. And in fact, Jesus knows this better than anybody. The, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 8 says, although he was a son, he learned obedience what? Through what he suffered. Listen, you, you can't say you're obedient until it costs you something. When it costs you something, then you know you're obedient. When it, when it doesn't cost you anything, that's not really obedience. It will cost you something. It'll cost you time, money, talent, whatever it is. It will cost you something. For Jesus, it cost him his life. That cost has not changed. If you want to fully obey God, it will cost you your life. He requires you to full surrender to him. The, the Apostle Paul wrote it for us here in Philippians. He said, therefore, um, he said, and being found in the form of uh, human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus took humility to a whole different level. He died the, the kind of death that was a criminal's death as a perfect son, as a perfect, uh, you know, God-man who laid his life down, and, and God is calling us to the same thing. And it requires us to walk in a humble obedience the same way that Christ walked. And Paul is telling this church here in Philippians, hey, Christ did it, therefore, that's what the therefore is there for, therefore, you now be obedient, not just in my presence, 
but also in my aspect. See, this church had been obedient. I mean, they were an obedient church. When Paul was in their midst, you know, when Lydia became a Christian and then Paul hung out in Philippi, he discipled these people, he taught them the, the ways of the Lord, and they were obedient to whatever he said. Whatever you say, Paul, we'll do it. And, and Paul says, that's awesome. You know, I'm glad that you are, you are incredibly obedient people, but he's doing something incredible here. He's doing something important that we all need to note. What he's saying is that it's great that you're obedient in my presence, but true obedience uh, it, it is, will make its way out in your life when nobody else is watching. When nobody else is watching, it's not necessarily, it can be, but it's not necessarily true obedience when other people are around us because we're more concerned about what they think. Be, be straight up honest, right? I mean, I care about, you know, this, an image, and so I'm worried about what, how I present myself. So I'm going to contain myself a little bit, but boy, when I'm with my family, I talk different, I say different things. I'm, I'm a little bit harder to get along with, but when I'm with God's people, it's different. True obedience will come out when you're not in the presence of anyone but the Lord. That's true obedience, when you will do what's right. In the midst. Paul is saying it's time for you guys to grow up. It's time for you to now become obedient in my absence. It's great that you were doing it when I was there, when I was teaching you and I was training you, and that was necessary. There is a necessary part of training where somebody has to be there coddling you and, you know, come here, buddy, um, you know, helping you out and, and helping you walk in obedience. But then there comes a point where God will put you on a path and he'll say, now, now walk. I'm with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you, but you need to walk this out now. And you're going to feel at times like you're in a desert by yourself, but that doesn't, that doesn't give you an excuse not to obey the Lord. Paul is saying, man, be obedient in my absence. This is something that, that any minister, any person who ministers to people needs to understand. Do never make somebody dependent on you. If you make somebody's obedience dependent on you, you've, you've totally missed the point. The dependence needs to be on Jesus Christ, on the Holy Spirit. John MacArthur said it like this. He said, believers must never be primarily dependent on their pastor, teacher, Christian fellowship, or anyone else for their spiritual strength or growth. Their supreme example is the Lord Jesus Christ, and their true power comes from the Holy Spirit. Believers, gratefully, are never without Christ's example and never without the Spirit's power. Do you have the ability to obey? If you're in Christ, you do. Why? Because you have not only the example of Christ, you know what to do. You have the path, but you also have the power. You have the Holy Spirit within you. The moment you received Christ in your life, there was a transformation that happened. And, and the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ was filled with and, and you know, allowed him to, to walk the way that he walked the three years in his ministry fills you and seals you. And he's, a, he's, a, he's in you at work to empower you to live out the Christian life. You have the capability, you have the ability to be obedient to the Lord. You have the example and you have the power. Do I need other people then? Yes, you do. God calls us to come together as a body for a purpose. And it's for the purpose, not necessarily of producing obedience. That, that, that would miss the point. 
because God's not calling us to become dependent on each other for obedience. What he's calling us to do is encourage each other and to prod each other on. It's Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. It says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not, le- not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. There is this, and this is a strange conversation in my brain, so, so come with me on this journey. But there's this thing that's coming out recently, and I don't, I don't know if I quite understand it. It's this word accountability. And, and I, I understand it. I think I understand it. I think, I think what people are saying is, hey, let's encourage each other. But there is also the other side of accountability, which is, hey, you need to be, you need to, um, you know, you need to answer to me. That's not biblical. You don't answer to me. I don't answer to you. I answer to the Lord. And so, you know, in the, I don't understand the the term, the way that some people use it, but it, sometimes it's in the context of. Well, if only there was some accountability, then people would be obedient. Not the right answer. I'm sorry, that is not the right context of biblical accountability. The right context of biblical accountability is encouragement to stir up one another, to prod each other on to do the right thing, but not to produce it. Only Christ can produce it. Only the Holy Spirit can empower us. And so I hope that's the way it's being used today in, in, in the church at large, but, you know, I, I, for, for some reason, I feel that the need to say that because I do believe that there are many who use the word in the context of, you need to answer to me, and then you'll be okay. You're pointing the person to the wrong person. You are not a savior, and the quicker we realize that, the quicker we understand that we cannot save somebody. We can't, you, we can't rescue them. Only Jesus can do that the better off that we are, not only for our own spiritual health, but also for theirs. Point them to the right person. Point them to Jesus. That's what Paul's doing. He's saying, hey, get your eyes on Jesus and start walking. Yes, there is a need for, and here's what I also say, I think really the better word to be used in the context of the church is discipleship. Discipleship is what is necessary to produce obedience in our lives. It's, it's coming alongside of each other and and helping us understand, here's the path. Now, here's the, here's the principle or whatever. Now, let's, let's, let me show you how to, how to walk it. This is the example, and that's what Jesus did. That's why he was such a great teacher. Because he not only, you know, spoke from a teacher standpoint, but he actually lived it. Right? He walked it out on a daily basis. And so God will put those people in your life. And he will, um, he will, he will help you be discipled. If there's one thing that's missing in the church today, it's genuine discipleship. It's genuine discipleship. And here's what I will also say. You can't disciple somebody that doesn't want to be discipled. You know what I mean? You can offer all kinds of opportunities for people to, to learn in the Lord and to, to help you know, them on their journey, but you can't force somebody to be a disciple. But the command is for us to make disciples. So there should be a desire to be discipled then, right? If God's called us to go out and disciple, there's disciples that need to be made, right? So, so, so Paul is encouraging this church. They've been discipled. Now they need to, to walk in their own faith, on their own two feet, empowered by the Holy Spirit to be obedient to the Lord. That is the call 
to obedience. Next, we find the command that requires obedience. Paul goes on to say, work out your, your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, this scripture has caused, uh, I mean, a ton of problems in the life of many, many people because it's taken out of context. Many people look at this verse and they say, oh, well, this means that I'm working, I'm working for my salvation, not working out my salvation. That's not what it says. It's, you're not working for your salvation. You can do nothing for your salvation. Listen, you're powerless as it results to trying to be made right before God. There's only one way. Jesus said it. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There is no other way. If you want to be reconciled with God, if you want to be justified, past, present, and future sins wiped away, if you want God to see his son when he sees you, then you have to come and you have to, you have to give your life over to Christ. It's called full surrender. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. So that's how you get salvation. But then Paul says there's, there's another side of salvation. In the sense, sal salvation is complete, right, on the vertical. But there's another side of salvation on the horizontal. It's a working out of your salvation. In, in um, that's what Paul is getting to. There, there is a command for you and I to work out what God is working within. So there's this, there's this tension between these two truths that I have a responsibility to work out what God and only God can do within me. So God is at work within me, stirring me up. He is putting desires in my heart He's putting a will and he's putting a way into my heart for me to be, um, for, for me to, to hear and to, to be obedient to. And then I have to work that out in my life. I have to personally apply what he's saying. And, and, and that's what Paul is getting to here. There is a requirement for obedience. He said, listen, now that you're saved, you're not just supposed to sit around and wait for the bus to go to heaven. That's not what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be working out what God is working in you to do. There is a requirement for obedience. Now, the script is different for all of us. God is working in you differently than he's working in me. But, you know, we both have to be obedient to what that working in, and, and it'll make its way out in our lives. That's the idea of obedience works. When we're obedient, there will be good works that are produced. We have to submit and surrender to what God is doing in our hearts. What does it mean that God is at work both to will and to do? What does that mean? That means that God puts, listen, any and every good desire that you have, every single thing that you can think of that is good in your life does not come from you. It comes from him. It comes from God. James said it, that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. So, so the idea is, is, you know, well, there uh, are, you know, I'm a good person. No, you're not. The only thing good within us is, the, is what God is working in us, what he is willing and what he is doing in our heart. And when that comes out, it, it's beautiful. It looks awesome. But, but the reality is, 
if God isn't in us to will and to do, then everything's in vain. Then everything's in vain. He has to be the one. It, this is what it means. I, I, this is another verse that's taken totally out of context. Psalm chapter 37, verse 4, that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. When a lot of people go, oh, I just, I just, I just love God. Now do, now do this. For, give me a new car. You know, kind of thing. That's not what it means. Like, what it means is that delight yourself in God, and he'll transform your heart, and he'll implant good desires in you, and they'll come out of you, and they'll look just like Jesus. That's what it means. And that's what it means also for God to work and to will, uh, to, to will and to do within you. Now, th this concept of, uh, you know, willing and, and working is his part. He, only he can do that. Right? And so he'll put a desire in your heart. Like, like, you know, the song we sang, Oceans, you know. He calls you out upon the water. Think of Peter in that moment when God called him out on the water. <laughs> was Peter the one doing that or was God the one doing that? God was in Peter. He was at work in Peter, willing. If God isn't willing, it's not going to happen, folks. If God was not willing for Peter to step out and for those waves to become solidified that he could stand on them, he would have sunk like a rock. But it was God's will that he stand out, that he step out. Jesus called him out. Come on, Peter. He steps out, and yes, there was faith involved, but it was also the will of God. And that's how miracles work. It's faith and the will of God. Peter steps out onto the ocean, onto these rugged waves, and all of a sudden he finds firmness, and he's standing there. He's working out what God was working in him to do, to will and to do. Without God's will, that was impossible. If God isn't willing you to do something, you can do it. You might have some, even have some success at it, but it's not, it, it's not what his will is for you. He is at work in you to will and to do. And all we need to do is simply obey that and, and walk it out. We have a part to play. God is active in your salvation. After you're saved, he's active in your salvation on the horizontal. He's at work in you. But you also have to be active in your salvation. This isn't a passive call. This is an active call for you to engage and to be intentional about and be dedicated on what the Lord's calling you to do. In, in Christianese, we call it what? Sanctification. That's what it is. That, that's his, 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 his willing and doing in our life is the sanctification process. It's God saying, yeah, we need to get rid of this. It's, it's, the, it's him chiseling off the things that don't belong in your life. And he starts to, and it's not just conviction, folks. It's also him willing you to do things like, Hey, I want you to go in ministry. I want you to go to Africa. I want you to talk to your neighbor about Jesus. Like all of those things are a result of him willing and doing in your life, and then you have to work it out. That's sanctification. And when we work it out, when we follow the plan, what happens is we become like Jesus. We become like Jesus. All we have to do is obey. The plan is laid out for us. All we have to do is walk it. We just need to put one foot in front of the other and just every day walk in his will and be willing to do whatever he tells us to do. Hashtag don't follow the path of least resistance because often I have found that that is not God's will. Generally speaking, the path that <laughs> Jesus said it himself, man. He said the road that leads to destruction is wide. 
Many go that way, but the path that leads to life is narrow, and listen, difficult is the way. You're going against your grain. You're going against what your flesh wants to do. When you try and live like Jesus, it's the exact opposite is what your body wants to do. And so it's work, and it takes intention, and it takes, it takes Holy Spirit power to do it, man. Um, I want to illustrate this with, with our, a, a, a story that, you know, not a, a testimony, really, of a, 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 a family in our church who, you know, has, I think, illustrated this very clearly. As soon as I started to read the text, the Lord just brought this whole situation up in my mind. I was like, man, this is a perfect illustration of what this means. I mean, we could talk theologically about every one of these words and what they mean, but I think the reality is, is what does it look like? Like, how do you work that out in your own life? Okay, we get that Jesus is our example, but what about, what about, you know, like, what about us? How do we do that, you know? Jesus was always obedient. I'm not always obedient. So what does that look like in my life? Um, and so if you know the Vierhoff family over here, um, Marty and his family, they're, they're an incredible witness to what, what God was working in them to do that they had to work out. So some of you know and, and, and whatnot that Marty works for a radio station here in Columbia. And um, God has gifted this guy with an incredible ability to, like, turn businesses around. So when they're failing, he has the, God has given him the capability, the understanding and the wisdom to turn a business around and to get it back up on its feet and get it running. So, um, you know, the Lord put on his heart, and it's not just his heart, his family's heart, because they're all part of it, right? And so he put on their heart to, to be part of this radio station here in Columbia. And mind you, at $0 an hour. So it's like, I got a job, honey. Guess what? I get paid $0 an hour. All right. Praise the Lord. It's a ministry. And so, you know, the family then goes into this, and they say, okay, well, hey, we're going to let... If the, if the Lord's in it, then, let, then we're going to have to, we're going to let the Lord do what he's going to do. So just in simple obedience, he starts working there and, and um, you know, not only is he working there, but, um, but he and his family also begin to help the business, you know, get on its feet financially. So they're, they're also, um, they're also contributing to the business, by the way, with no contract, with no, um, no, uh, you know, obligations to be paid back or anything. A lot of people would say that's stupid. This is called obedience when it costs you something. And so there's this, there's this, this thing that doesn't make sense to probably anybody, right, except for them. And maybe even at times they don't understand that. So there, th there's this obedience that's just saying, well, God's calling me to be part of this, so I'm going to do it. And uh, so as, as things continue to evolve, and, and not only them, but then their in-laws are helping, you know, uh, with, with various different things that need to happen because Marty's having to put in a lot of time to that. And uh, um, that's why he's not here every Sunday, uh, you know, because he, he's, he has a ministry he's part of and God is doing a work in it. But, but here's the thing. You know, as they're, as they're working and he's working hard, he's putting tons of hours in his family, sacrificing for him to do that and, and all of that. They're financially uh, helping this business. Then, um, you know, it comes to a place where the business starts to turn. And it starts to get better. And, and uh, so, uh, you know, he starts getting paid a little bit. Not much. I'm not, I mean, not, nothing significant. And, it, you know, and not for what he's doing. Not for what he's doing at all. And, uh, um, and, and the whole point of it, why God told him to do it, was so that the employees wouldn't lose their jobs. 
It was about people. And uh, it was not even a lot of people, just a couple people. They didn't have a ton of employees. So fast forward up, you know, things are going, the business has finally turned around. I think they made a profit this year and this last year. And, but here's the thing is that there's been a big, a significant investment made on their part. And so, uh, you know, they're, they're still being obedient to the Lord. And then like three weeks ago or so, Marty's car blows up. But he doesn't have the funds to buy a car. His car is going to cost too much to fix. He's going to buy. He's, he's like, okay, well, well we're just going to have to go down to one car. Never once was it, I'm going to go get another job so that I can do this because I'm, you know, I forget being obedient to the Lord. I'm just going to go do that. And all of a sudden, you know, he, he's just saying, look, we'll just, we'll just start saving. We'll see what the Lord does and all this kind of stuff. And fast forward to another last week. They're, they're in that situation, right? And they're, they're down to one car. Hashtag first world problem, by the way. But, but it's a problem. She works in Zion School, and, you know, they, he works, you know, at the radio station. They have to start to sacrifice even more in order to make this work, right? And, and, and it ends up being that, um, you know, a week ago, out of nowhere, Marty get a call from a guy in Mount Pleasant that said, hey, you know what, you have been on my heart for, he, he talked to him back in March or something, a while ago, last year or something like that, and um, uh, he had a radio station there, he's an old guy, it's not really doing well, you know, and, and maybe there was a possibility of them buying it at some point or something. The, from that conversation, I mean, I, I went to that meeting with him, and the guy literally was weeping as he was talking about this radio station, because it was his baby, and it's a Christian radio station. But during the process of Marty working for this station in Columbia, he had built such a testimony about sharing the, his faith and about being obedient to the Lord and, and his family being, you know, being willing to, to um, allow the Lord to work in their lives and all. And, and so this guy called him up last week and said, hey, I got this, uh, this radio station, and you know what? The Lord's telling me to give it to you. I'm just going to give it to you. It's yours. You take it. Now, all of a sudden in that moment, it's like, what? Really? There's the payoff, folks, of obedience. God does something totally out of, the, out of the ballpark. Like, where does that come from? That's not why he was doing it. That's not why his family did what they did. But here God blesses their socks off and says, here, I'm going to give you a radio station, a Christian radio station and, you know, you're going to be able to do Now, you can kind of see, and his testimony really all relates to radio from the back when he was like 14 years old. So you can see how God was using all of these things to orchestrate that moment. Not only that, not only that, God was working in what he had to work out, what they had to work out. Then they get a call from Randy Nichols, like, you know, a couple days after that and said, hey, dude, I heard you need a car. I got a car. Why, I'm just going to give you this car. It needs a little work, but here, I'm going to give you a car. They got a car. Why? Because God provides. And because God, when we're obedient, it, it's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I, that's awesome testimony. Here, here's my point. And I don't, and you know, and, and Marty will sit there and go, dude, I'm the 
biggest sinner in the world, and I'm, you know, he, he's a humble guy. His fam- they're humble people, but God has done an incredible thing in their life, and I think that it needs to be shared because I think we need to understand what it looks like for God to work and to will and to do in our life and what it means for us to work it out. That's what it looks like, exactly what it looks like. It costs you something to do it. And, it, and you might be in the middle of it at some point and go, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? But you stay obedient. Listen, the payoff's coming. God is a debtor to no man, and that's not why we do it. We do it for his glory, right? But God is a debtor to no man, and we, when we serve him, when we're obedient to him like that, he'll bless your socks off. So, 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 so God is at work not only in them to will and to do so that they can work it out, but guess what? God's at work in you to will and to do. What is your call to work it out? What is God stirring your heart to do today? What is God calling you to? It's bigger than your job, I promise you. It's bigger than, you know, just, you know, being a, a a, 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 a Christian family that goes to church every week or stuff, it's way bigger than that. What I'm saying is, is that, you know, it, it can look normal. It can look, there's nothing wrong with having a normal life, but I'm saying that there's something extraordinary in the middle of it. Because what God wills is, is way bigger than what, what we can see. And so what I'm saying to you is, is that in your normal life, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, if you know you're doing what God's calling you to do, there's, you know, look for the extraordinary in the midst because there is something there. Yes, it's going to cost you something to do it. You might, you know, God may be calling you to share the gospel with your boss and it might cost you something. It might cost you a promotion. It might cost you whatever it might be. But you know what? In obedience to the Lord, you do it. Whatever it is that he's calling you to do, don't be afraid to do it. And, and you know, don't be afraid to sacrifice because we're not living for this life. We're living for eternity. We're living for um, that day when we hear, well done, good and faithful servant, because of your obedience. It's not how we get to heaven. We, 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 we work out heavenly principles in our lives because we're saved. That's not how we get to heaven. But, but when we do it, man, God takes account. And there's blessings. And there's, there's, a, there's a judgment for the obedience uh, that will come in heaven. And he will make you you know, he'll give you responsibility in eternity based on what you do with the life that you've been given now. Don't waste it. Listen, be sacrificial. Be obedient to the will of God and do exactly what he calls you to do. There's one other thing I need to say, and and that is that we don't do it on our own. We do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. When it said that he wills and does, that's because he gives us the Holy Spirit in order to be able to work it out. You have the capability to do it. What's stopping you? What's stopping you from becoming an example like, like Paul was to the point that he said, follow me as I follow Christ? You are. So here's the thing is come in humble obedience to the foot of the cross and recognize what Christ has done in your life and what he wants to do through you. And you're going to have a testimony too, and you probably do already. But what an incredible testimony of what it looks like to work out what God is working in us to do. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your goodness. And just for what an incredible text we have before us, Lord, as we consider, Lord, 
what it means to be obedient to you and what it means to work out what you're working in us. And I can't help but to thank, Lord, this morning that you're speaking to hearts this morning, that there are some here this morning that, that you're encouraging and you're challenging with the Scripture, that you're calling, Lord, to move. You've been at this place too long of being disobedient, and the Lord's calling you now into that act of obedience to be part of what he wants to do in your life. And he's spoken to you more than once about it. And this morning, you hear him loud and clear. And so the response, if that's you, is, here I am, Lord. Send me. I'm going to obey you. I'm willing to do whatever it is that you want me to do, God. Will you come by your spirit, God, and empower your people to respond in a right way this morning to, your, to this scripture? to this text, will you help us to be obedient to your will in our lives? And we ask you right now, Lord, in Jesus' name, fill us with your spirit. Baptize us overflowing, Lord, that we can truly step into it, Lord. And we want to pray, Father, for anyone here this morning, maybe listen to the radio, listen to the podcast later. The first call of obedience is the call to salvation. We can't work out what we don't already have. And so we want to give an opportunity this morning for anyone here, anyone at all that wants to know Jesus, that wants to make him Lord of their life, that they would humbly obey the Spirit this morning and just willingly say, Lord, I want to give my life up for, what, for your cause, for whatever you want me to do. If that's you this morning, just lift your hand up. I want to pray a prayer with you. If you're here this morning and you want Christ in your heart, you've never received him, just lift your hand up and we'll pray a prayer with you. It'll be a prayer of redemption, reconciliation to the Father. Is anyone here this morning that needs reconciliation? As we're continuing to pray, all the saints in here rejoicing, looking and desiring for the Lord to, to call whoever it is into salvation this morning. If you're here, lift your hand up. I'll give you one opportunity. It's a simple prayer. It's, Father, I come in Jesus' name, and I thank you that he died and rose again from the dead for me. And I'm turning my life over to you now. I'm, re I'm abandoning my previous life, and I want to live for you. No longer am I going to live for myself. Whatever your will is in my life, I want. So I come, and I surrender myself to you, and humility. Receive me in this morning, Lord. Make me a Christian. Fill me with the Spirit so that I can live as you call me to live. And I give myself over to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you that a sincere prayer like that, <laughs> that we are found in total justification before you, our sins totally wiped away, that we're right. Now, will you give us all obedient hearts? So we just lift this time up to you. We thank you for it. Thank you for your word and continue to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.